Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxe's Church in Saxe, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. All right, and thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of EST. We're so excited that you are listening. We're honored that you have, uh, you know, kind of made us a part of your ministry and what you're doing. We are we are big fans of the pastors and the established church, and, and that's just what we seek to help out with. We are praying for our co-host, Micah, as he is still away adopting his son there, his first son, his third child. So uh, continue to pray for him. But we do have another guest on the show today. I think everybody will be kind of interested in hearing his point of view. But I'm going to let uh, Sam Rayner down there in Florida introduce to us who we have on the show today and kind of maybe the topic, what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited about having Jordan Richmond on the show with us today. Jordan is a worship pastor at Idlewild Baptist Church in Lutz, Florida. We have served together at two different churches, so uh, he knows way too many stories about me. I hope that he does not share any of them uh, because this show is really about it's, it's really about him today. Well, it's about worship pastors in particular the relationship between worship pastors and lead or senior pastors. And so uh, let me just start by uh, by asking Jordan, hey, do you remember that time when I made you dress up in a cow suit? <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up right <laughs> out of the gate. <laughs> so is for all you a, worship pastors... Is that a pastor, pun, the cow suit right out of the gate? No, 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 no. Literally, <laughs> it had udders and everything. That's awesome. Um, Listen, that, yeah, just proves, I mean, that just proves how uh, how missional I am, Sam, that I was willing to go there. There's nothing more missional than than a giant cow suit for vacation Bible school. Um, with that has nothing to do with Chick Fil A. Nothing to do with Chick-fil-A. No, nothing to do with Chick Fil A. No, I mean we we do love our Chick Fil A, well, but no, it had nothing to do with Chick Fil A. It, it had everything to do with the fact that I just wanted to see him in a cow suit. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And we did that. We did that song where you went goosh 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 goosh. We did. Like you were actually milking the udders. I'm trying to remember that one. That, that has not been on my uh, planning center playlist recently so uh might have to bring that one back i i I think you should i think you should so um with jordan here and let me just let me just ask this because i know everyone's thinking it why are worship pastors so weird Mm. (laughs) well i i was why are worship pastors so weird am i weird sam i mean you're like my best friend in the world um are, are you um well it depends on how you define weird um, well, you asked the question. No, well, okay. <laughs> they're different. Of all the pastors, you know, that you can have on your staff, they're the ones that typically, typically, are a little different. They're more more in the artist world. They're more in the you know that that music world. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm no. I'm just saying you know there are a lot yeah. of people that don't get it. There's plenty of people that do, but you know, help help us lead and senior pastors out. What? What what is in your mind that makes you guys different? What what is that? Well, I, I think that by very nature, when we say worship pastors, a lot of times what we're saying is is the musical pastor, and simply because of that, they are going to be more artistic, more emotional. We're going to be inspired by different things. Uh, you guys are both lead pastors, and my guess is a lot of your 
your time and your energy and your study, a lot of that work is very much uh, cerebral. Uh, not to say that you guys are, are not emotional guys, but a lot of your energies go into processing this information and, and trying to deliver it to people in a way that they would understand. Whereas a worship pastor, um, we are trying to create moments where people feel. And we, we certainly want for it to be uh, theologically dense. We want it to be truthful. Uh, but we are really trying to craft experiences where people feel. Whereas I, I would imagine a lot of times a senior pastor or a lead pastor wants to make sure that people think well. Yeah, I don't care about feelings. I don't <laughs> care how you feel. No, I know that's not true. <laughs> well, we do we want them to think and do. Sure. We're not really worried a whole lot about the way that they feel. I think to mm. our detriment, I think we should worry more mm. about the way they feel or at least address those feelings. So it does it does create mm. quite a bit of conflict, and I think a lot of people, pastors who are listening to us, will understand that the, um, the conflict between the pastor and the worship pastor is often um, one of the most, uh, I don't know, strong or sharp. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, um, and part of the reason is because you share the stage, mm-hmm. right? So if a worship pastor yeah. and a lead pastor aren't jiving, you know, they're not on the same page. They they don't like each other. Um, there's conflict there. I mean, the church feels that. So yeah. you know, if if the lead pastor and say the financial person don't get along, well, there's very few people that are they're going to feel that or know that. But if I mean I've been in churches, you walk in and you can just tell. I mean this is your first week, and you're like, oh, they don't get along. Mm-hmm. You can tell they don't like each other. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that's a, that's a huge problem in the church. So what I mean, what we're talking about. I mean, we're I'm going to poke a little fun at Jordan because he is my best friend. But um, but it is extremely important for the worship pastor and the lead pastor to get along because that is something that the church will feel every week. So yeah. Jordan, how do you do that? I mean, what's well, one? I- how do you how do you get along with the lead well, pastor? Well, n- number one, uh, as a worship pastor, knowing that what I do is is highly emotional and artistic, I I try to be as likable of a person as I can be. I think there's a lot of worship pastors, honestly, that make a lead pastor's job uh, a little more difficult. And I've <clears throat> I'm just speaking personally. I've really tried to not be that guy. But I've also been really fortunate, Sam. Like you said, we've we've uh, worked together at two churches, and uh, and we've always been close friends. Our, our families have been close, and so because of that, boy, I feel like we've just um, we've been able to hit the bullseye there. Uh, but it's a relationship; it's an organic relationship. It's not guaranteed, and so uh, just like in any relationship, you have to be willing to reach out and to trust and to get to know one another. And uh, I, I kid you, of course, on, I, I mean, you're, you're very intellectual, you're extremely smart and sharp, uh, but you're also artistic. And so, and even... Well, I would say not, I'm creative, but I'm not an artist, okay, if that makes well, sense. Sure, that's fair. But, but at least as, as lead pastor, you're able to appreciate that part of what I bring to the table, even if you're not necessarily uh, contributing to that specifically. I love good art. I love, yeah, good art done well is, you know, it's powerful. It's very, right. and I realize that. Right. So you, so you and I, we're able to, to collaborate that way, even though our skill sets don't necessarily overlap a whole lot. They do complement one another, and we're willing to let them complement each other. 
I would I, I would I would say that for any lead pastor and music guy out there, number one, the lead pastor is the lead pastor. The mu- music guy really does have to get in line. It is not he a music pastor will or a worship pastor will never be able to lead the congregation past the worship of the lead pastor. Uh, I don't know if that's quite theologically accurate, but the reality is, you know, Sam, you're you're a, a lead pastor. It's always in the front row. And if I were to say, hey, let's lift our hands, you might go, why is he asking me to lift my hands? But I I think you're the kind of guy that would be respectful enough and a team member enough to go, I'm lifting my hands. Here we go. Or, yes, I'm going to I'm going to sing this song because you recognize that your role uh, is to kind of set the governor to set the the thermostat for the entire congregation and the worship pastor cannot uh overshoot the lead pastor hmm. yeah I, w- I, w- I would agree with that you know a worship pastor serving with a lead pastor you know the church will only be as demonstrative in worship really as far as the lead pastor wants to take the church uh, That's it's true. hard it's hard to get past what the lead pastor is desiring for the level of, of demonstrative worship. So let me let me ask right, you, George. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do want people to be demonstrative in their worship, not emotional. I don't want emotionalism in my church. I don't think that's helpful at all. Um, yeah. But I do want I do want emotions in the church. So yeah. how how do you how do you get a church to be to be more demonstrative because I've been in those churches, man. They, they can't. They can't even clap. Like it, it's like the, <laughs> they struggle with even even clapping. Oh. So what, what do you do? What do you do about that? What's what's what are some tips that you can that you can give our listeners on? Hey, here's some things that you can do to to help a church be more demonstrative in worship. Boy, I think the the conversation even gets that much more complex when you're talking about the established church. You know, if, if you're in a startup church, you can kind of shape it whichever way you want. But in an established church, you're talking about uh, deep-seated uh, traditions and mindset. And it, 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 each church has its own culture. Um, so I would say, number one, the congregation has to trust you. And uh, whatever the worship pastor does, it has to, it has to be good, number one. If you're going to try to change somebody's mind, you can't present to them... Um, you can't present shoddy art because mm. because that's just going to turn people off. So it has to be excellent, and you, and you have to understand where the church is and where you're trying to get them. Just like in anything, I suppose, if this is a church that is not uh, that there's never been any clapping, for instance, just choose like one song a month that you're going to kind of try to get them clapping. But maybe use a song that's really familiar to them. If this is a, an established church that's very much used to hymns, get them clapping on I'll Fly Away. Just something that's going to be uh, accessible to them and just push them a little bit. Hey, remember the time that you did I'll Fly Away at one of our churches? See, that I would use that as an example of a bad way to do that. Because what I did there, uh, and this, this will be good for listeners, so um, one of the guys that, that brought me on, he was on the committee, he's like, dude, if you do I'll Fly Away... You just do it fun and upbeat. They will love you. And so I was like, well, okay. So I, I got the fiddle. I got the banjo. I got everything. And I'm I'm up there jumping around, dancing around. Well, keyword, jumping around, dancing around. Uh, I really upset some people doing that. It would have been one thing had I just like stood still and be like, everybody, let's just clap. 
just like that. I'll show you how. And everybody would have loved that. But uh, and it didn't fly. I'll fly away. Didn't fly that day. Didn't fly that day. No, it did not fly that day. Cruel death. And that was, by the way, the uh, you know the the traditional service. I Mm. I'm not in a church now where there is a quote unquote contemporary and traditional service. But if you have one of those, you need to honor the fact that it is still the traditional service. And uh, Jordan, my my brain. Yeah, I've got a ton of questions that are sparking here when I'm talking to you because. I'll be the first to admit, and I shared this with you guys before the, the we started recording, that I could honestly go to a church that doesn't have music. Just the way I'm wired, I don't like you know some guys that have earbuds all the time. They're they're always <laughs> listening to music, or they'll go on a run and they're listening to music of all different genres. I go on a run and I listen to podcast. Uh, usually it's preaching. Mm-hmm. Just it's, usually it's John MacArthur. So that's how unmusical mm-hmm. I am. He doesn't even talk sing-songy right so i'm just not that way <laughs> um so there's a bunch of things that kind of confuse me about all of this and i think there's words that get torn uh thrown around sometimes that um may cause conflict like like for instance the word excellence that that gets brought up a lot in these things so make sure that the worship is with excellence how do you avoid or what's a way that pastors and worship leaders or music pastors can come together on defining what excellence is? Because sometimes I think that the pastor puts an expectation on a guy um, or a team of people that may not be reachable or attainable. And so where do we kind of draw that line on excellence when it comes to the music in a church? Well, I I would say that excellence first of all, has to be, um, you have to have a goal for your excellence. If the goal is musical perfection, I think that's a misplaced goal. Mm. The, especially in worship, the goal has to be to get the congregation to engage God. Okay. And, and that could actually be done, frankly, without music. Mm. That could be done, that could be done with poor music. So, uh, Engaging God. And um, and by the way, when it comes to emotion, and I've, I've got uh, I, I to confess this to you, Josh, I actually listen to more podcasts than I do music as well. So mm. I, I'm a little I'm a little bit of an outlier there. I'm not always like living in the uh, art, artistry world. OK, but uh, OK, so let, let's look at it this way. First of all, emotion. Emotion is neither good or bad. Mm-hmm. It is it is just a part of what it means to be human. It is uh, to if you were to analyze somebody's brain, the uh, the parts of the brain that are responding emotionally, it, it's it's not the big cerebral cortex part of the brain that you think about when you when you look when you picture a brain. It's okay, I just want to say that. that we just heard a worship pastor say cerebral, cerebral cortex. cortex. <laughs> but go ahead, George. I am a total science nerd at the same time. Oh, so, uh, so emotions, uh, they go, they go deeper than our logic. If, for instance, if, if you ever, if you ever talking to a person that's really angry, you're really talking to their amygdala and it's impossible to logically reason them out of that. You have to pacify that feeling. And so with emotion, we are, we are touching parts of, of a person, parts of their brain that bypass the logic. That's why if, if I present, if, if I put together music that is poor in quality, I really run the risk of 
shutting a person off emotionally right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, it, it, the, the goal number one is to help people to engage God. And we're doing this by creating an artistic emotional experience. Mm. Um, you have to know where your people are at. So if you have a congregation where say the average age is mid fifties into their sixties and they are used to hymns done with piano organ and the nostalgia of that, do that very excellently and you will touch their heart. Mm-hmm. You, you will, you, you, you'll be, and then you'll be able to speak into, you, you basically take away the barrier of bad emotional <laughs> interaction. And so, uh, at, at least that's what goes through my mind. It, it, okay. it seems to, it seems to work for me. I, I, is that helping clarify your question? I think so. So as a pastor, when I am relating or leading a guy that thinks differently than I do, who, who leads mm. our congregation through emotion. Okay. What are the ways in which, um, maybe we, when we, when we interviewed some children's ministers, we kind of did helpful, not helpful things that, that lead pastors relating to that position could do. What are some things that we could do to kind of help with, with your job? How do we help with that? What are some things that you've seen that maybe hinder, um, what you do and maybe cause those conflicts that are unspoken? I, I think it would be good to know because, uh, Everybody has an agenda, whether they like to admit it or not. But as, as a lead pastor, to do your best to discern before you hire anybody, like where does this guy really want to take the worship program? Uh, and we can just kind of be upfront, and be honest, and as transparent as possible. But uh, the last thing you guys need as a, as a lead pastor is to kind of get a bait and switch with somebody that wants to take a program hyper modern. Uh, the reality is, especially within the established church, you're probably not going to go hyper-modern uh, un- unless you have a designated service for that. But it's going it's to be very difficult to take somebody who's invested 30 years into a church and loves the traditional service and get them to all of a sudden switch over to a Hillsong United experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you've got a guy that secretly wants that and that's what he's chasing after um, – First of all, it's not going to present the Hillsong United experience well to those people because it's not the environment for it. And he's just going to make people mad in the process. Well, that brings up a great uh, kind of just an even deeper question because we're kind of getting at what would the worship minister or the music minister want and what would the lead pastor want? But is there a rubric? Mm. Is there a way of thinking through music the style of music maybe the song selection in in a particular context is there maybe a missional approach to that more than just the desire of the of the pastor the desire of the worship pastor what how do you think through that should the church change that regardless of what the two people want i think that i think by very nature of being a christian we are constantly changing we should be constantly growing um, but I, I would say in, in terms of, uh, first of all, selecting songs is really the easiest part. Hmm. You can, you can choose, uh, a planet shaker song and arrange it with choir and orchestra and you would swear it's 25 years old. So selecting songs, 
reasonably easy. Selecting styles and the feel, that's where it gets more difficult. And I would say I've enjoyed working with Sam on this. We actually had a, a series that he did when we were in Murray called Bad Words. And it was kind of these, uh, no, don't, don't get the wrong idea. It was mainly cultural things. They were very modern, very, uh, very current. So like we would talk about war. Is war ever holy? Things about things, things like that. And I would, I would have the freedom then to select songs and to select feels that would get people into that mindset. So if I'm going to do war, I'm going to, I'm going to do songs that are in minor keys and aggressive tempos and maybe a little bit louder and my clothing's maybe all black or, you know, something like that. And that's an extreme example, but you can say, okay, where is the lead pastor trying to take everybody Mm -hmm. and how, and how can we build the environment and the experience accordingly? That's amazing. I didn't understand anything you just said, but I'm glad that you (laughs) did. No, but when you when you get to that point, for so for those of you who are lead pastors out there listening, worship pastors, those who are in the worship ministry, um, when you get to that point to where you can do that, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it, it, you enjoy it. You you know, and and when your lead pastor and your worship pastor are at that point where hey, we really enjoy crafting the worship experience together, the teaching and you know, and the music side all together. And by the way, music teaches as well. Um, it it is something that. It just ends up working. It jives, and that could be something that's contemporary. It could be something that's traditional. I mean, we're not we're not even talking style. We're talking about um, two primary teachers in the church: a worship pastor and, and a lead pastor, crafting something that speaks to the theology of the day, that speaks to the doctrine of the day, and that's where good art teaches so well. I realize that's more rare in churches than it is mm. common, but boy, I'd love to see that happen more where you have the cohesiveness of the worship ministry with the with the proclamation of the word. So, um, you know, I actually, when it comes to earbuds in my ears, I, I'm actually listening more to music than anything else, even though most people, everyone would say I'm not a, a musician. Mm. I enjoy music because yeah. it, helps me, it helps me think. Mm. Um, I've actually been on a Latin jazz kick of late, which is <laughs> really, really strange I see for me. He was a Latin jazz guy. I'm, I'm at, with Afrobeats. I've, I've been know listening. What that is. I've I'm completely discovered. I've completely discovered this new genre of music, and I've been writing my sermons to it. So if they're a little funky wow. of late, then then that's what's going on. You are, in, you are in Florida, so it seems like it might fit a little better than than here. Oh no, it's it, it's it's totally the feel here, man. I yeah. mean, it, it definitely yeah. works in Southwest Florida. Well, well, that's cool. Hey, listen, a lot of our listeners are at established churches, maybe not large churches. Uh, let's say, let's say there's a an established pastor listening. He wants to encourage the worship minister and wants to pass on some some tips or some tools. Are there anything out there understanding that maybe a good portion of our churches that are listening don't have a full time worship minister are there any tools or resources you missed you mentioned planning center um things like that that we could you know pass along and, and help out or maybe look into that would maximize the work absolutely yeah planningcenteronline.com it, it just kind of seems like the the church standard for planning week to week organizing songs and services as well as your volunteers it's a great way to keep everybody on the same page you can link youtube videos to it it's a subscription uh service and 
Yeah, it's 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 what we use at Idlewild. I've used it at several churches. In addition, if you're gonna go into the modern realm, which I, I recommend that every church needs to, no matter where they're at on the established spectrum, needs to think how do we modernize. Um, but multitracks.com lets you take the the most current and popular songs. And you can purchase the individual guitar stem, or here's the individual choir stem, or drum stem. And uh, as, as long as you're set up, as long as your computer has a DAW, a digital audio workstation, like Logic or Pro Tools, you can play those. Uh, it does require a bit more um, sophistication where you can, where you can uh, monitor the click just in the, the team's ear so they can sync up with the other instruments that are playing. But that's that's a great resource. Uh, but just very practically, if the lead pastor, and Sam, you've done this well, if the lead pastor can breathe into the worship pastor that he is valuable, that he is a teacher, and just breathe that life into him, that will inspire and encourage and build up the worship pastor. And a, a, a worship pastor... Because they're more emotional, I'm going to go out on the line and say they are insecure. We're, we're all insecure, but I would say those artsy people are generally more insecure, and they thrive off of being told that they mean something. Uh, which, the same, which, by the way, good, good, good friction, good tension typically produces good art. And so, if you're constantly trying to battle that, you know, that insecurity that that you have, and and you're working through that in a very positive way. That many times will produce good art. I mean, the, yeah. and, and so it is. It is important. I mean, that that gets back to the emotional side of, of worship. Um, so I, anyway, I interrupted you, Jordan, which I'm very very good at. I hope I didn't touch your. <laughs> amig- I hope no, I didn't well, touch your amygdala on that one. Uh, yeah. um, no, my no, my amygdala is pacified. No, but I, but I would say too, the the worship pastor, his job is to come along and and support the lead pastor. And to to consider where he's at. I mean, just like just like any relationship, it it, it takes two, it goes both ways. But the lead pastor is the head. Now, um, very practically too, I would say lead pastors send your music guy away to a conference, specifically a more modern conference, like the Experience Conference in Orlando, or even the Hillsong Church Conference and. LA or heck even Sydney why not and just expose that worship pastor to something that will absolutely blow his mind and he'll come back with all if he's good he'll come back with a whole bunch of ideas the worst thing in the world is for a worship pastor to get stuck in his own rut he needs Mm -hmm. to grow he needs to be exposed to, to new ideas and then in general um and Sam, you may disagree on this, but uh, I've I've noticed this at Idlewild. Pastor likes to get up there. Uh, the very last thing before he gets up there, he likes for it to be something familiar, because he he his expression is I don't want to preach out of a hole. I want to mm-hmm. preach from a place of uh, advanced territory. So, and by the way, I did this last night. I committed a rookie mistake last night. Uh, it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Erwin Lutzer was here, and I did this hymn set. And the second song was A Mighty Fortress, which everybody knows. And then I did For All the Saints to wrap it up, which hardly anybody knows. But it's got this really cool cello line. And I was like, boy, this cello line is so beautiful. Had I thought about that, I would have thought, you know, Lutzer can get up there and uh, 
and and have something familiar right before he gets up. If you're going to intro something, especially something upbeat, do it right out of the gate. Sing about Jesus. The preacher will preach about Jesus. And if nothing else, we'll proclaim the gospel. Man, I think that's some great stuff. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. Jordan, if um, if maybe some pastors or worship pastors want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, they can email me, jrichmond, R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D, at idlewild.org. That's I-D-L-E-W-I-L-D. They could always connect on Twitter. My handle is wjordanrichmond. And I would, I would love to help anybody in any way I can. Awesome. Uh, well, you've really helped me, and I really appreciate it. I love. I wrote down, worship pastor will never be able to lead the church past the worship of the lead pastor. I thought that was huge, really helpful stuff. And as you mentioned there on Twitter, we have, of course, the Twitter, at EST Church. Hope that everybody is following along with us, uh, joining people like Sean Lastly, who's in Jonesboro, Illinois, following along with us on Twitter. And uh, we really appreciate that. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing us on Twitter, or, well, on iTunes, rather. And um, right now we're kind of running a little bit of a, a giveaway. If you rate, review us on Twitter, we're giving away a few of the new CSB, Christian Standard Bibles. These things are fantastic. I have one sitting here on my desk. I love it. I use it. And uh, I'd love to give you one. So get over on iTunes, rate, and review us. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week.